Enterprise Rent-A-Car. They have a good corporate structure, and they give you the tools to be your own boss. I like the idea of thinking of Quay Walker as an independent contractor at Edge Rusher. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, if the Brewers were a, a ship, uh, a vessel, a, a boat of some kind, and, and they were sinking, and they might be sinking. You know, all the other talkers on this network, morning show, afternoon show with Bill, they're all jumping off. I mean, Rowdy, Rowdy wants another team. He says it every morning. He's like, I don't even want to be a fan of the Brewers anymore, right? If the Brewers were a ship and they were going down, all the other hosts on this network, they've hopped on the lifeboats. They're gone. They're out. Um, or or they're certainly, they're waiting by the rail. They're, they're waiting to jump. I am going to be the one guy standing on the tip of the boat on the bow as it goes straight up in the air and starts to sink like it does in Titanic. I'm going to be the guy who, I'm going down with the ship. By hook or by crook, I have found a way to believe in this team. Every step of the way, through thick and thin, uh, mostly thin, because uh, they, they haven't won a ton of games. At least not at a very good clip. I know they're above 500. They're eight games over 500. They're 69 and 61. Nice. Uh, I have found a way up until this point. And I hate to do this. I hate to draw a line in the sand. But if they continue to look like this against the Diamondbacks and we start Craig Tember, for all the hype and for all the excitement, if we start off Craig Tember losing two or three or getting swept by the Diamondbacks, or this might be a four-game series into the weekend. Let me triple check. Need to have my facts straight. Facts over feelings. Yeah, if they lose three out of four to the Diamondbacks, I might have to draw that line in the sand. I don't want to do it because that means we need to get off the Brewers ride. But up until this point, I've been willing to go down with the ship. If this weekend goes like last night went, uh, I might have to be out. Might have to change my approach with this. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. By golly, I'm psyched that you're here. I'm psyched that it's almost a three-day weekend. I've been listening to Jimmy Buffett all day. The vibes are high. We can talk about college football. We can talk about a trade that went down in the NBA yesterday. We can do some previewing of the Badgers who play a team tomorrow, and I know who it is. I definitely am not buying time until I can pull up the page to see that it's Illinois State. I totally knew that off the the top of my head. I did know that, but who who cares? Might as well be Arkansas State or... Mississippi State. It doesn't matter. It's it's they're a crummy team. Badgers are favored by a bunch tomorrow. We can preview their season and their matchup tomorrow night. We can talk Packers as well. I'm also very excited because Ty Dunn is going to be here at 4:30. Tyler, he's a slippery guy to get. He's very busy. He's bumping elbows with important people and players and coaches. He put out a Vikings piece today at Go Long. Woo! Very interesting. Diving into what it was like to be a part of the Mike Zimmer Vikings and what that guy was like. Sounds like he was just crabby. All the time. And don't get me wrong. I like guys who are, you know, kind of crabby. And, you know, they're, they're funny, right? Guys who are, are very pessimistic and they just, they, that's their sense of humor, right? It also can be exhausting when you're around someone who's miserable all the time. And that's the sense that I got about Mike Zimmer. It's like he was angry every day at everyone and at everything. They're very tiring. So if you're a Vikings fan or you just like reading about football and learning about teams, go read Tyler's piece. It's up at Go Long TD. 
It's his long-form journalism platform. You can subscribe. He was at Bleacher Report for a while. He spent some time with the Journal Sentinel covering the Packers as well. He put out a pretty good piece about Jordan Love. He spoke with Jordan Love's quarterback coach two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We talked about the piece on the show. I don't remember exactly when it came out. We're going to talk to Tyler Dunn of Go Long, his own publication. He's his own boss. We're going to talk with him at about 435, some Packers questions and some NFL, NFC especially questions that I really want to ask him. And then in the second half of the show, I have some clips from Aaron Rodgers. Only two. I'm not going to bang you over the head with a bunch of Aaron Rodgers clips today. But I do have a couple of things that he said on the Pat McAfee show today. One about Jordan Love and uh, one about doing drugs. Actually, I, I saved the the audio file here. I have one that says Rodgers on Jordan Love and the other one just says Rodgers on drugs. <laughs> he's, he's not on drugs. He's, he's speaking about drugs and how they changed his mindset and what the locker room is like. And I thought it was a pretty cool answer. And, you know, you don't often hear football players talk like this. Not about the drugs specifically, but some things about the locker room and what it's like to be part of a clubhouse is pretty cool. So we're going to do that in the second half of the show. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Very briefly, before we get to the Packers the Badgers in college football, and we will do so momentarily. We will get there. Trust me. I want to say a few things, if I may, about the big trade in the NBA yesterday, because it's an awesome trade. And I think everyone involved is a winner. Sports fans are a winner. I, I just, it's a really cool trade. I want to talk about it just for a couple minutes. Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland, three first round picks, two pick swaps, and Colin Sexton, who was the main piece that went by Lori Markinen and uh, Abaji. The first round pick, the lottery pick this last year. Not a lottery pick, but mid-first round pick from Kansas. This is just a really interesting trade, and I want to mention a couple of things before we dig into some of the football topics I've lined up today. It's applicable to more than just basketball. If you watched the Cavs last year, and they played the Bucks a bunch, I remember one of the early season matchups when the Cavs were healthy, and I'm watching them play the Bucks. I'm like, oh man, this is this is a tough team. They're big, they're physical, they're young, they're exciting, they play with energy. The arena's fired up, right? That's a dangerous team. That's a tough team to beat. And remember, last year they matched up against the Nets in the play-in. Cleveland had a lot going for them last year. They had size. They had the defense, especially in the front court with Mobley and Jared Allen, who got hurt, which is why they tailed off in the second half. They have the budding young star, Evan Mobley. The one thing that Cleveland lacked last year, other than experience, because they're a young team, they lacked a guy that could create and get them a bucket in crunch time. Other than Darius Garland, but Darius Garland is not a top five player in the league. The Mavericks can lean on Luka Doncic and only Luka Doncic in the closing minutes to get buckets, or the Warriors with Steph, or the Bucks with Giannis. Now, no one can do it alone, but Darius Garland certainly can't do it alone. There are superhero-type figures in the league that can, quote-unquote, do it alone. Although, even someone like Giannis needs some shots from Chris, needs some plays from Drew. But Darius Garland is not even on that level. He certainly can't do it by himself. And we watch Cleveland at the end of the year and in the playoffs and the play-in. It's like, man, he's running around. He's like, okay, I got I to gotta do this all, huh? So they got the guy. They got the exact guy that they needed in Donovan Mitchell. He's only 25 years old. He's tied up until 2026. Great deal for small-town Cleveland. And that excites me because I like seeing small-town, uh, lesser-heralded franchise succeed. And... I like seeing things go the way of the small guy once in a while, the little guy. I'm trying to think of other deals in sports where a team got the exact right guy at the exact right time for the right compensation, right? I'm trying to think of the Rams with Matthew Stafford. Like, okay, maybe. Um, 
Kawhi Leonard at the Raptors, but that was a little different because that was a one-year rental. I don't know that Matthew Stafford and the Rams are going to succeed at a high level. I mean, not to be that guy, you know, the Rams got a lot of good luck last year, especially, you know, in the NFC Championship game. The Niners probably should have beat him. Jaquaski Tart had the ball right there in, in his chest. That would have ended the game. That would have sent the Niners to the Super Bowl, and he dropped it. Right now, you need to get lucky. Don't get me wrong. I, I just, I don't know if this Stafford trade is about to launch, you know, three Super Bowl appearances in five years or three and six. I, I would bet on it being a one-off over, you know, betting on sustained success at a championship level moving forward. You know, the Donovan Mitchell trade is something that could bring a team together, complete a team, and now the team can grow together and trend in the right direction together and develop together. And also, they gave up Colin Sexton in this deal. And Colin Sexton is a nice young player, but Colin Sexton was an issue for Cleveland. It's like, okay, well, we got this Colin Sexton guy. He's an asset, but we also don't know if he's a piece of this moving forward and he can't really do Garland and Sexton at the same time. So what do we do? Okay, Two birds with one stone. We get Donovan Mitchell and we clear the way for Garland by giving up Sexton. So it's a trade that worked on all levels. And I like seeing trades that work on all levels for a team like Cleveland that, you know, historically hasn't done a lot right. Hasn't had a lot of good luck. Right? So it's cool to see that trade come together. Also, something to file away. Cleveland might be really well equipped to deal with Giannis moving forward. I know the Celtics have a lot of defenders, although Giannis was unbelievable against the Celtics in the playoffs. With Jared Allen... And Evan Mobley might be a team that can do something with Giannis. I'm excited to watch that matchup this year. And by that, I mean Giannis will only have to work hard for 29 points instead of 40 because Giannis is unbelievable and you can't really stop him. All right, getting more topical. I watched college football last night, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying you should give me credit for that, but I, I kind of want a little bit of credit. I, I relegated the Brewers to the laptop last night because I'll sit on my couch. I got the TV. And then I normally have my laptop next to me. And maybe I have it open to Twitter when I'm watching the Brewers. Or maybe I'm typing things for work or whatever. Sometimes I have another game on. So last night I turned the Brewers on the TV. And then I pulled up the start of Minnesota, New Mexico State. The Jerry Kill PJ Fleck Bowl. Right? And and about halfway through the Brewer game, I'm like, oh, I've seen enough of these. I know how this is going to go. Brewers are getting thrown on the laptop. And I put on Penn State Purdue on the TV and I got rid of Minnesota, New Mexico State, because that game was never close. Did you see that Jerry Kill was trending on Twitter yesterday? I was texting with our friend Ben Kenny about this. I guess, I guess, according to Twitter, uh, Jerry Kill had some words to say about Minnesota. And then there was beef amongst the Minnesota fans with Jerry Kill. And then I, I kind of dug back into the history of Minnesota. And then I remember Tracy Clays. And it's like, oh, yeah, these are all these names that I didn't care to remember because none of them are significant. And yet Minnesota fans are making it a thing and not to insult Minnesota fans that are listening, but like imagine caring about the return of Jerry kill. <laughs> like it just, sorry guys, whatever. It was it 38 to nothing last night. Jerry kill still can't wear a hat straight. It's always cocked to the side. Him and Pedro strobe should hang out sometime. They have a lot in common, whatever. I, I, I do respect and enjoy that part of college football where a fan base that's, Fairly irrelevant for a program that's fairly irrelevant in Minnesota to get mad about New Mexico State and Jerry Kill, who I didn't even realize was coaching until yesterday when I saw his name was trending uh, and made that a thing that you got fired up about. That's that's next level. I guess you appreciate that part of college football. Switched very quickly, like I said, to Penn State at Purdue. This was good college football, folks. 
Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt on the call. That feels like college football. Now, I'm no expert on college football. I know you don't come to me for my uh, high-level, galaxy-brained college football analysis. But I did write one thing down about this game last night, and I bet if I told this to one of our resident college football fans, like Zach Heilprin or uh, Ben Kenny, I bet they would would appreciate this analysis. I I think I'm getting somewhere. I think I'm on to something with this. Uh, This is my hashtag analysis. This is what I wrote down last night. These two teams spread the field in such a way they make the field look twice as wide as a normal field. And every pass catcher seems to have extra space, picking up a ton of yards after the catch. That's what I wrote down. Analysis, folks. Does that make sense? I watched the game last night. Maybe it was the camera angle. Maybe it was just the way that these two teams were aligning. But I I think it's the way that these two teams play and call plays and just run things. makes the field look bigger. They make it look so spread out, whereas when I watch the Badgers, it looks like everything's so tight and congested and there's no space and you're playing in a phone booth. And part of that is play style, right? The Badgers are maybe using extra offensive linemen or they're doing a lot more running plays. But watching these two teams, guys were open. Guys had space. It was it, it was like watching a football game in the clouds. There was all this room to breathe. Where I watch the Badgers, it's like, okay, uh, we're going to play in quicksand and it's all going to be packed in tight. And that's not just about running the football. It's not just because the Badgers run it. It's, it's the aesthetic of the way that they play and the style that they play. And last night, it's like, wow, these teams spread it out and run around and play in space. And it was really fun to watch. Now, I can't tell you much else about that game other than it came down to the end. Uh, Purdue mismanaged timeouts at the end. Drink what's new, a college football coach mismanaged time or uh, down in distance or situation. I was bummed that we didn't even get a Hail Mary, really. Like, we didn't even get an honest attempt at a Hail Mary. I was watching the game end, and I'm like, I don't really care who wins, whether it's Purdue or Penn State. I know a lot of Badgers fans last night. They're like, we're we're cheering for Penn State because Purdue's in the Big Ten West. It's like, oh, my God, I cannot bring myself to care about that. It's just like, man, it's, it's not even week one yet. It's Thursday before the Badgers play, and we're like, we got to cheer against Purdue because the Badgers standing in the Big Ten West or whatever. It's like, ah, good for you guys that are that into this. But I am... Uh, I am not. I just wanted to see a fun finish. I wanted to see a Hail Mary. And we didn't get one, which irked me. At least pitch one up. At least try it. Don't end the game on a throw out to the flat or a sack or something lame. That's what we ended up with last night. It's just fun to watch offenses put up points. I enjoyed that game last night. I think most people did. I enjoy watching college teams score. Not something I'm used to, watching the Badgers on a a week-in and week-out basis. 608 Seven nine six two five five eight. If you want to call or text the show again, I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Coming up next, this is a segment I had to do a lot of prep for. Uh, I am going to preview the Badgers season. We're going to do a Wisconsin Badger 2022 football season preview. Uh, yesterday we did an NFL season preview using beer. Well, I'm not going to do something gimmicky like that. Uh, well, I guess it might be gimmicky, but it's, it's not going to be a, an analogy to beer or, a, you know, which team in the Big Ten is which car or whatever. Nothing like that. I am going to preview the Badgers season in 60 seconds. I have a timer. I have a timer. I'm going to preview the entire season perfectly without flaw. And I'm going to cover every necessary detail in 60 seconds. I will explain why I'm doing it. And uh, I will see if I can actually fit it all in in 60 seconds. It's all coming up next. We're going to talk Badgers in three minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Tyler Dunn, Go Long TD, formerly of Bleacher Report, Journal Sentinel, going to join us to talk Packers and NFL here in about 10 or 12 minutes. You can join the show right now if you'd like. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or give me a text. I'm also on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Coming up in the second half of the show, I want to talk a lot more Packers. And I have one Brewers thing I wish to discuss. I don't know if you were watching last night. I don't remember what inning this happened. But I guess Corey Hart was at the game last night. Yeah, do you see this? And Valley Sports Wisconsin showed him on the screen for a while and put up the graphic, you know, right fielder, all his stats. Because I guess he must live in Arizona. And Corey Hart, <laughs> I don't I don't know what he, he's got long hair. He's got a beard and it's, it's trimmed in such a way. It just, it's an interesting look. It's an interesting look. And I tweeted out the picture last night and I said, what does it look like Corey Hart does for a living? Because he, I don't know, does he look like a welder? Does he, I don't know what he's got going on here. Well, the tweet has 98 replies and 16 quote tweets. So I got a lot of answers from folks, and I think we can go through and, and pick some of the best ones. There's some pretty good ones in there, uh, and we can scroll through them, and and you could decide. Yeah, Corey Hart is uh, he's 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 got a look going. He's got a look. I don't know if it's good or I don't know if it's good or bad, but he's got a look going. I don't know if you saw it on Valley Sports Wisconsin last night. You can go see the picture. It's at the top of my profile at Wisco Grant. Okay, just talked about a couple of the college games last night. I didn't watch West Virginia Pitt. I, I I wanted to watch the Big Ten game. Pitt game looked awesome. Great. If you watched it and you enjoyed it, awesome. I don't have anything to add to it. I watched Purdue and uh, and uh, whoever, yeah, who they played. They Purdue played um, Penn State. That's right. And I was cheering vehemently for Penn State because of uh, seeding in the Big Ten. I didn't care. I didn't care at all. I just was enjoying the game. So I watched that last night. We talked about that for a few minutes before this last break. Now, the Badgers start their season tomorrow, okay? And I was studying the schedule today in preparation for the show, and I was going over and circling the games that I thought would be important. They start with Illinois State tomorrow, Washington State in week two, New Mexico State in week three. That's an electric slate of games. Let me clear Let me clear my schedule for the New Mexico State Aggies or whatever they are. I don't know. Illinois State, God forbid I missed that game. Then conference play starts with Ohio State. So we got four straight games with states. You're skipping the conference four play. I love it. Don't waste my time with Illinois. Don't waste my time with crummy Nebraska. We all know that the season is going to be defined by a win or loss to Ohio State. We might as well do it early on. So if they lose, all the casuals, not me, can jump off the bandwagon and stop watching. Okay, so I was pouring over the schedule. I was looking at games that I thought were meaningful and important. Obviously, I'm not the Badger expert on this network. I don't pretend to be. So I was trying to figure out what I can add. What can I chime in with on this network of ours that hasn't already been said? What can I add that's unique to me, right? And I had an idea. A few weeks ago, when I was very bored one night, I was watching YouTube clips, and I was watching clips of Norm MacDonald on Conan O'Brien. Scrolling through, and they did this bit. I think it was in 2014, 2015, right when Craig Ferguson retired from hosting the Late Show, one of the Late Shows. I don't remember which one. And Norm was jokingly lobbying for this job. I want this job. I deserve it. I want it. 
he didn't really want it, but it, it was the bit. And this is kind of how it came to be. This is what they were talking about on the show. I saved the clip. And I believe I could do it in one minute. You think, Norm MacDonald, that in one minute you can display all of the talk show skills? One minute. That's all I need. If I can only have one minute. I think we want to see this, don't we? Let's do it. All right. He's got one minute. So Norm then went on to do it in one minute. I have the 60 seconds. Here it is. This is his one-minute audition. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You, uh, you're familiar with the model Kate Upton. Well, apparently, she told the London Sun that life would be easier if she had small breasts. You know, I suppose that's true if by easier, she means harder. We have a great show! Now, Andy, how are you? Now, I understand that you had a little trouble with your wife last night at dinner. Uh, well, yeah, you know, uh, she's, uh, she's a sassy, sassy yeah, gal, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and she's, uh... Well, let's get to her first. All yes. right. <laughs> Please welcome comedy legend Fred Willard. Hey, thanks for having me on. I love your show. Oh. You're doing a great job. Oh, I did. Let's see. Let's take a look. Sure. Yeah, that was... 60 seconds. Okay. So Norm MacDonald, 60 seconds, showcased all the skills necessary to host The Late Show. And I thought, what if I attempt to preview the entire Badgers season in just 60 seconds? Honestly, I, after writing everything down, I might only need 30 seconds. (laughs) But I... But I'll do 60, and I'll stick with the bit. I practiced this a couple of times, and I came up uh, two seconds earlier, two seconds late. I even have a 60-second ticker here uh, with a buzzer to keep me on track. Hear that? So I got 60 seconds with a buzzer at the end, and I'm going to preview the entire Badger season in 60 seconds. Okay, here we go. And go. We're all excited for season three of Graham Mertz. He says he's excited, too. We're ready, man. We're excited. Ah, could this be the season Graham Mertz finally lives up to expectations? Maybe, but probably not. However, this is almost certainly the season that Paul Christ will adapt and have a playbook bigger than 10 plays. Paul Christ is excited, too. Truly exciting to be starting this season. Wow, that's electric. Remember, this team runs through the offensive line. Got to get back back to a level of dominance with that group. All right, let's look at the schedule. If this team is able to run the table against the crummy Big Ten West and finally beat Ohio State, they can make the Big Ten championship game. And if they win that, they might just make the college football playoff. You know, that's more ifs than empty seats in the student section to kick off. But still, speaking of the student section, is this season uh, the season that those entitled liberal kids finally get to their seats on time? Is it the university's fault? Taking your calls now. Also, is Paul Christ on the hot seat? I'd say if they fail to reach the Big Ten title game, that's a disappointment. However, probably nothing will change, and we'll probably do it again next year, and we'll have the same conversation a year from today. Woo! Oh, we did it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. 60 seconds previewing every pertinent detail uh, in the Badgers football season. How about that? They said it couldn't be done. They said it couldn't be done. Honestly, I think I could have done it in 30. <laughs> I think I could have done it in 30. Now, I didn't say it's the best preview, right? Listen to Kenny and Heilprin. They actually know what the hell they're talking about. That, that is my preview, and I packed it into 60 seconds for the sake of efficiency. Okay. I got it all in there. We got all the topics we're going to talk about. What did I miss? You tell me. 
Oh, Deacon Hill's arm strength. My bad. Uh, next year, I'll make the preview 100 and, or 65 seconds. Minute five. And we can, t- we can talk about that, too. <laughs> oh, those damn liberal kids. Get to the game on time. What do you have to do? What, what, what are you so busy doing? Drinking outside? That's embarrassing. Every time I turn on an Ohio State game, those kids are in their seats on time. That's a real football school. Damn shame. Yeah. yeah, 60 seconds. They said it couldn't be done. I previewed the entire season in 60 seconds. This is an old, uh, one of my favorites, Norm McDonald. Let's, <laughs> let's take a break, come back, get Tyler Dunn on the horn to talk NFC. I'll have to ask him about his bills because he lives in upstate New York. And uh, we'll talk Packers as well. He just put out a piece about Jordan Love two weeks ago. So I want to get his thoughts on the preseason. Tyler Dunn joins us. Coming back, Wisco Sports Show returns in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We're going to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers. He joined Pat McAfee today, and I don't just want to replay the Pat McAfee show. But he did say some things about Jordan Love that I thought were pretty cool. And it's nice when he speaks candidly about Jordan Love, because I think we draw a lot of conclusions about Jordan Love and how that works in the locker room. It was nice to hear him speak on that today, so we're going to do that. Talk a little Brewers in the second half of the show as well. Tyler Dunn is here. Writes for Go Long. You should read his work. He put out a piece on Mike Zimmer today that is... um. <laughs> I guess it's not surprising. I guess Mike Zimmer was just mad all the time, Tyler, for no reason. That doesn't <laughs> shock me. <laughs> yeah, not not a joy to work for, to play for, to coach with. Uh, sadly, you know, whatever the two parts came out to, like eight 9,000 words, it, yeah. it only scratches the surface. But, really? uh, yeah, people want to check it out. Yeah, it's, uh, we got it up, golongt.com. Would love it if you wanted to subscribe. I imagine your Packer fans out there would enjoy it because the Packer fans had a, some triumphant moments against these Vikings over the years. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, you're around football players and coaches all the time. Is there a fine line from tough guy, serious, you know, hardcore football guy, and someone like Mike Zimmer who's just angry all the time? Like, that's got to be a fine line, but it is a line that matters. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about Mike Zimmer like this, and you wouldn't have all these quotes from players like Terrence Newman, who's quoted in this piece. Totally. I mean, I think Ben Lieber even put it best, too. And he uh, he didn't play for Zimmer. He was with the Vikings um, before Zimmer got there, but he's been a sideline reporter for the team. He's really connected to the players. Yeah. But, like, what he said is, you know, that style of just, like, beating guys down and berating, it works in, like, high school and college to an extent because you got the adolescent brain, as he put it. Like, you do have to kind of be uber-disciplined and yeah. get your message through people's skulls. But you're dealing with grown adults. And at the end of the day, the best approach is the, the Mike Tomlin approach of like, yeah, like here's what you're supposed to do. If you don't do it, uh, there's the door. You won't be here any longer. Yeah. And, and then that's it. Guys get it. They're grown. They're grown up. So, um, yeah, Zimmer, Zimmer, his style, his approach of just, you know, a lot of the young players, especially those young DBs the last couple of years, um, I, just, I just think that he was so irate and so frustrated and, and just constantly calling them out in meetings. We get into all this in the story yeah. where it, it just turned guys off. It turned them off. It turned the veterans off. And it was time. <laughs> well yeah. past due. He had to get fired. There's a fine line between pushing your guys and just being miserable all the time. That wears guys out. And I'm sure that was definitely a thing. In, uh, yeah. I mean, it's Michael's contagious, offer. right? It's oh, contagious. Yeah. Like your, your misery becomes their misery. You take on the personality of a coach. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think that was certainly obvious at times. I mean, I watch Vikings games just about every week, as long as they're not playing at the same time of the Packers. And, and you can see it. It affects the team. 
Let's work chronologically here. I got a couple Packers questions, but let's talk about the preseason before we look ahead. You put out some great Jordan Love content the last few weeks. You've written about him a few times at Go Long. What did you think of watching him in the preseason? We are unabashedly pro-Jordan Love at Go Long. Yeah. You, are, you are correct, my friend. It's, uh, you know, it's just weird. We don't see this anymore in football. Like, developing a quarterback? What the hell is it, right? Like, that used to be what everybody did. You would draft a quarterback, and he would sit, and he would learn, and he would get better over time. And uh, that just doesn't happen <laughs> anymore. It, it happened with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and it's happening right now again with Jordan Love. And I just think you're, you're seeing that development. I mean, they, they, they took a raw project. Mm-hmm. Um, athletic, big arm, Utah State, threw a lot of picks in last year. But I think that they saw that last year where, okay, it's not Alabama. You're not surrounded by five stars. You're surrounded by one and a half, two stars. Everything is chaotic. Everything's going wrong. What are you going to do in that moment? How, how are you going to improvise and make plays? And he, he made enough plays to warrant being a first-round pick. And now it's about refining. It's about working with Steve Calhoun, who I've gotten to know really well as private quarterbacks coach. Um, I think you referenced it. We have a Q&A with yep. him up from last week. So it's working with him. It's working with Aaron Rodgers. It's working with Matt LaFleur. And, and he's at a point now where I think that they can confidently pick up that fifth-year option and, you know, they're at Aaron Rodgers' discretion. He, he just is going to do whatever he wants to do when Green Bay is going to follow his lead. But if he does retire, I think Love is absolutely ready to be the guy, and you can turn that page. And it was something that, I don't know, I don't think that we were really thinking that, saying that much last year. And the Kansas City game didn't exactly quell fears, but I think that you saw him turn a corner this training camp for sure. You know, it's funny you say that no one develops quarterbacks anymore. I mean, just look at the Trey Lance story this week. You know, there there's now feelings that maybe he's not ready and he's not going to be okay to step in and, you know, combined with the, you know, the, they couldn't trade Jimmy G. So they're keeping him around and people are shocked. It's like, well, actually let's not be shocked. Like Trey Lance barely played college football, right? He's, he was coming through the system and into the NFL at a time where, we were kind of affected by the pandemic, and that slowed things down. It shouldn't be a shocker that he's not ready, but that's just not how we think anymore. I know it. It's too bad because, I mean, there's another guy where almost to the extreme, you just love those traits that, mm-hmm. that pop. I remember talking to some of his teammates at North Dakota State, and they're like, no bull. We've seen him in practice just chuck it 70, 75 yards. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> the fishing stories are going to get a, a little elongated over time, but no. you know, whether it's that or trucking a linebacker. I mean, this is a specimen at the quarterback position that you don't see often, but still that's a position that demands you to be able to just operate from the pocket. You still have to be able to read and and go through your progressions and take your layups and and do all that stuff. And this this isn't a rebuilding team. I mean, this is a team that was one dropped interception away from being in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, a punt of an interception for Jaquiski Tart. Yeah. And, and so they don't they don't really have the benefit of that learning curve. And I don't I mean, this is what you got into when you drafted him. You knew it was going to take time. So I think at this point, you just have to play him, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it might be ugly. It might not be great, but this is the bet you made. He's got these special gifts. Just just go for it. Don't look back. Yeah, here they are hedging with, with Jimmy Garoppolo being around. I, I get we can take them at their word. Maybe you do have a really good backup quarterback, and but having him in the room, you you can't convince me that that's not a yeah. good. That, I mean that that's not a bad thing for Trey. I think it's very very bad. I think it's going to hurt him in ways that maybe he doesn't even know yet. 
I feel attacked by something you wrote in your Jordan Love piece last week, your Q&A with his quarterbacks coach. This is this is the quote. Quarterbacks do not wait three years these days. This does not fit neatly into the timeline of talk radio. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm part of the problem. This is this is my fault. I, I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. And I, I asked another person this two weeks ago. I don't remember who it was. You know, you've covered football for a long time, and you've seen quarterbacks come and go. I'm curious, just your opinion. If Rodgers got drafted first overall in 2005 or second or wherever, and he went to a team where he had to play right away, and maybe a team that wasn't great, do you think his career goes differently, or do you think he's so brilliant that it was always going to come out at, at one point or another? It's it's a what-if that really I only started thinking about this summer, and I, I don't know how I feel. I think he's so talented. He's so good. It would it would have happened because it's a lot like similar to Josh Allen. I mean, some of these quarterbacks are just – so insanely driven and, and such hard workers that, I mean, who thought that Josh Allen would improve on 52% completion as, as a rookie? I mean, it just seemed like that was something that you can't get better at, and he did. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you know, Aaron Rodgers was so rough as a prospect, right, and the way he held the football and that Jeff Tedford style. And it, people forget he was terrible at training camp oh, for yeah. a couple of years. I mean, that San Diego preseason game in the rain, it was just a disaster. Uh, there were people that wanted the Packers and Ted to trade him for Randy Moss. I mean, Brett Favre, he probably would have been on board for something like that. Uh, but they, they let him develop. He learned it was a great situation. Say what you will about Mike McCarthy, but he did something right with Aaron Rodgers in those early years. Uh, I, yeah. I do think, though, that, that these, these individuals that are that next-level driven, just they, they rise to the top somehow. We're talking with Tyler Dunn. Go long. You can read his stuff. He's on Twitter, at Ty Dunn. The link's right there, so you can find it all. I I tweeted his name out, so if you follow me, you can go find it there, too, if you've never read his stuff. or This is the first you're hearing from Tyler. I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers, but quickly, you mentioned Josh Allen. So yesterday on the show, in in true Wisconsin style, I've been fearing uh, very Oktoberfesty, and we previewed the season. I assigned every team a a beer, like their, their beer comparison. And for the Bills, do you have any idea maybe maybe the beer? Maybe. Very popular beer around here. Oh, geez, I love that. Now, that's a radio segment I can get down with. <laughs> yeah, all, that's, that's all, not all day, every day. complaining I, I about like quarterback development. So I said that the Bills are spotted cow because it's a, it's a very heavy, uh-huh. thick beer, meaty, and that's, that's Josh Allen. It's great in the summer. It's very refreshing, but it, it gets better in the winter, and I think the Bills are, are better suited to play in the winter. And yeah. very loyal fan base. So you have people who drive into the state to get it and take it home with them. It's on at every bar. So I, I, I thought that yeah. was a very natural comparison, and I'm very excited to watch your Bills uh, as you reside in New York. I'm very excited for their season. I mean, Spotted Cow is the best beer in existence. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm a, a tourist at this point, an out-of-towner at this point, but even when I lived in Wisconsin those five years, it was it was a slam-dunk call every mm-hmm. time we'd go out to the bar. It, it just, oh, my God, I need to get out there now. I'm, so I, I'm going. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with that, man. That, that sounded like an absolute perfect break. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the game. Spotted Cow's the best beer in the game. I, I'd probably go Mahomes. I'd probably go Mahomes, but Fair. Alan's right there. He might be a moon man. You know, I think Ooh. Alan, could, he, he could pass for a moon man. <laughs> that's, still, that's still a great choice, delicious choice. Um, I Actually, I want to talk to you about Aaron Rodgers really quickly. The last thing. Um, Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams, right? So this is the first time we're going to see him without effectively his number one guy, really since 2015, because it was Jordy up until Jordy got hurt. And then for two years, I guess there was kind of nobody, but then there was Adams. Mahomes lost Hill, too. And it's never a good thing to lose a great player like the Packers and Chiefs did, but 
Is there value, do you think, to forcing a quarterback to adapt and shake things up and think differently like Rodgers and Mahomes will have to? There's got to be value there and a chance for the quarterback to get better and for the offense to get better, right? Right. I mean, he's a $150 million guy, so you're paying him to elevate the play of everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he's a four-time MVP. I, I, it's weird to constantly poo-poo what Green Bay does at the wide receiver position when you have an all-time great at quarterback. I, I mean, he doesn't need training wheels. He doesn't need his hand held. I mean, he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like, yeah. he should be able to make other players better. But to, to your point, you know, I, I do that it, that is – really sound because you kind of go through time and sometimes these, these really elite quarterbacks, um, when they, they have a number one guy, think about Brett Favre, Sterling Sharp, yeah. Matt Stafford when he had Calvin Johnson. And then that receiver exits the, the equation. Sometimes the quarterback gets better because he's not locking into that guy all the time. Now, I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't have any problems playing quarterback. There was a play, though, at Lambeau Field against the San Francisco 49ers where he had Alan Lazard oh. wide open. Though. Oh. Everything on the line. And he's locked into Devontae Adams, and he was locked into Devontae Adams against Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game the year prior. So, you know, it's not, if you're looking for a silver lining here, that's it. I mean, he's his eyeballs are going to go elsewhere. You're right. He's got to yeah. scan the whole field in ways where he didn't uh, before. So, I mean, it could be a good thing. And, you know, I think, I think roster-wise it's a great thing that you have a team that's just going to have to try to win a, a more physical brand of football, defense, ball control, all that good stuff. They're, they're going to have to just win that way now. It's like forcing a musician to play a different type of music, right? It's hard at first, but I'd like to think that there's, you know, a benefit to be gained at the end of it all. And I, I, that's my hope. And I think Mahomes and Rodgers, they're like so good, it. like you said. They shouldn't have to have the, you know, $50 million wide receiver or whatever. Uh, Tyler, before I let you go, I like asking guests about music. I know you're a big Jim Croce guy. Do you have maybe a, a deep cut that maybe most folks don't know by Jim that you'd like to recommend before you uh, say goodbye? I like it. And you were talking about music evolving. I was thinking of Boney Bear, right? That Aaron's a big Boney Bear. Oh, yeah. I mean, Justin Vernon, he evolves all the time. So there you go. You know, Croce, I I love all the hits. I mean, Operator is always my jam. I know it's not a deep cut, but it brings a tear to the eye. It's emotional. It's it's just a a beautiful song. And we lost Jim too young. I know he looks like he's like 55, but I think he died at 30. We lost him too soon. It's a shame. And I love the mustache, too. Some of the Operator, just the... The solo performances, or when he's with his guy Maureen, it's just the two of them on acoustic guitars. Like the sound they get is great. So we're going to listen to that song when we come back for our next break. Tyler, I appreciate you. I know you're super busy and you're going around to camps and you're covering the bills and you're putting out super long pieces that take a lot of work, but I love having you on. I appreciate you. Thank you. No, thank you, man. I enjoyed it. Let's just definitely do it again soon. Anytime. I'll hit you up. Thanks, Tyler. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Tyler Dunn, Go Long TD. Had a couple of stops, as most writers do, right? They bounce around, but now he's doing his own thing. And if you like storytelling, right, you like long-form journalism where you get lots of quotes from players and you can dig deep into a story and you can read it almost like a novel, right? It's not this little clickbait, one-paragraph thing, and you're like, okay, I I mean, I guess I kind of knew everything based just from the headline. No, 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 he dives deep into this. And you should read his Zimmer piece. It's really interesting. His Q&A with Jordan Love's quarterback coach that came out last week was really good, too. Why don't we come back? Maybe listen to some Jim Croce. We'll continue the Wisco Sports Show in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco 
Wisco Sports Show, an ode to our last guest, Tyler Dunn. Go long. And Jim Croce fan, as he will tweet about. I think he's a big Outlaw Country guy, too. I just don't know that much about Outlaw Country, so I ask about Croce. This is how we connect on a personal level with our guests, everybody. We ask them about that one thing. You got to get that one thing. What are they into? Is it music? Is it, uh, in the case of Bill Michaels, do I got to ask him about his Harley? Even though I don't know anything about Harleys. I, you know, I can, I can, I can pretend. Can grease the wheels of conversation. Tyler Dunn's an awesome guest. He's just so busy. He's hanging out with his kids. Said they were watching Peppa Pig or something. I don't remember. Is Peppa Pig a show or is Peppa Pig a character on a show? I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter. But we will play some Croce. This song, I look, I know it's like very famous. It might be basic. This song is this song's incredible. Just the way that the two acoustic guitars just music some might say you can find me on twitter at wisco grant you can text and call the show if you'd like 608-796-2558 after five o'clock i want to say just a couple words about the brewers briefly quickly touch base you know they got shut out last night so it's not like they gave us a ton to talk about i also want to get into the packers as some sound bites from aaron Rodgers. if you missed the start of the show man i i really applied myself and i talked college basketball or college football, college basketball. That'd really be applying myself. This wasn't this wild. I previewed the entire Badger season in 60 seconds and talked about my experience watching Penn State and Purdue last night. Wow, that was a barn burner. Now that, that was a barn burner. It's interesting to hear Tyler talk about quarterback development. I think it's something that's lost on us. And Packers fans, we're told it's something that's lost on us. And I still think it's lost on us, right? That guys weren't drafted to play right away back in the day. And now the league has changed. You know, financially, it's such an advantage to have a quarterback that plays on a rookie deal. Such a financial advantage. I mean, it's unbelievable. So there's more pressure for guys to play right away. And coaching is better than ever before, right? Quarterback coaching at the high school level and at the college level. And there's off-season camps and there's all the, you know... The coaching on this level didn't exist in the 90s and the early 2000s, but sports, even at a college level or in some degrees, sadly, at the youth level, it's become so professional early on that these guys are getting so many reps and getting so much coaching and so much development early on. They are ready to play earlier now, right? But back in the day, even when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, guys developed. They came along more slowly. And I think that's lost on us. Some teams draft and develop quarterbacks. I mean, that's what the Packers are doing with Jordan Love. I'm interested to see what the Steelers do. We don't really have any precedent with the Steelers. We know that they're patient with head coaches. We know that Mike Tomlin makes the playoffs no matter what. I could see them starting Kenny Pickett week one. I could see them not playing Kenny Pickett a snap this year and being very, very insistent. He's not going to play. He's developing. It's not fair to put him out there. I could I could see anything with Pittsburgh. I don't know. That'll be an interesting case study to see how they handle their quarterback position, right? And how some of these other young guys have been drafted and developed. Trey Lance got a red shirt year, but, you know, maybe that was by, you know, just situation as well. They had Jimmy Garoppolo, and they like Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy G wasn't in San Francisco, would the Niners have asked Trey Lance to play right away? I don't know. Maybe. Whether he was ready or not. Sometimes guys aren't ready and they get plugged in. They, you got to play. Sorry. You're going to learn by doing. I think that was Josh Allen, who was poor. or was really poor early on. We're talking about Tyler Dunn's bills. 
you know, and Patrick Mahomes got a redshirt year straight up develop. But again, there was a quarterback already there. I just, I wonder if Jordan Love eventually ends up playing for the Packers, which I think for that to be the case, Aaron Rodgers would have to retire this year or next. So either only one more season or two more seasons from Aaron Rodgers, because it's not like Jordan Love is going to be waiting in the wings for five years. You know, that would be absurd. Six years, that's not development. That's just, you're just keeping a guy just to keep him at that point. But I wonder if Jordan Love, if he sits for three years, Aaron Rodgers retires, Jordan Love steps in and becomes a worthwhile quarterback in this league, we're going to be like, oh, uh, of course it happened that way. Why did we ever doubt that it was going to happen that way? It was always going to happen that way. But it's just not how we think anymore. Quarterbacks are expected to play right away. Number one wide receivers who are drafted top 10 are expected to step in and be a number one wide receiver right away. It's just how the league works. So it was nice. Tyler Dunn is an old, old-fashioned football fan, which I enjoy about him. I think he's got a book coming out. I want to shout it out if it's... Let me see if he's got anything about it on his Twitter. I just want to make sure. I know he's got a book coming out before too long. Let me Google it really quickly. Blood, sweat, and tears. Maybe it's already out. Tyler Dunn. So I want to plug it if it's already out. Um, Maybe it's not out yet. Anyways, Tyler Dunn, as I'm talking to myself here, he writes about a lot of old-fashioned football things. Love tight ends, love fullback, offensive line play. You know, not this finesse league that the NFL has become. So if you like that brand of football and you like someone who writes about it that way and takes time to write in detail and tell you a story, read Tyler Dunn, subscribe to his stuff, go long TD. Some of the pieces are for free, so go kick it around. And if you like it, subscribe every month. Support journalists like Tyler Dunn, especially because he's willing to come on the show. Go follow him on Twitter, at Ty Dunn. Let's go spam his Twitter account. Make him feel welcome on the show. Play Jim Croce for him. We can go follow him on Twitter. Coming up next, I want to get into the Brewers for a couple of minutes. I want to talk Packers. Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show. It's Pat McAfee season, SZN. And he said a couple of interesting things about Jordan Love that I want to discuss. Coming up next. With my best old ex-friend, Ray. Gosh, you said you knew well and sometimes hate structure and they give you the tools to be your own boss. I like the idea of thinking of Quay Walker as an independent contractor at Ed Rusher. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I just want to listen to more Jim Croce. Ideally, just listen to some Jim, maybe get a bad, bad Leroy Brown, get that pumping through. Why not? Jim Croce Fridays. It's a new thing on the Wisco Sports Show. Yep, we're all over it. We're making that a thing. Just kidding. Fridays are for Buffett. Spins up Friday. I didn't tweet out a song link today. I think I got a song in mind. Maybe I'll do that at Wisco Grant over the next commercial break. You can tweet me during the show or not during the show, but, you know, especially right now during the show. <laughs> at Wisco Grant. If you want to go back and forth, you can call and text the show, 608-796-2558. Another good way to get in touch with the show as well. I want to talk Brewers for a couple of minutes. I have an announcement, and it's not one that I'm happy to make. It's 
one, however, that I that I have to make. It's an announcement that I must make. We're going to do that coming up next in a few minutes. It's not a proud moment for me, but it's a moment that has to happen. They don't want to talk Packers. I'm looking forward to that. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an awesome Friday and you're looking forward to a great Labor Day weekend. I have some friends coming to town and I am walking to the bar the second the show is done. And I can't wait. If that sounds unhealthy, don't worry. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stay there until bar close and drink nonstop. Probably, probably not going to do that. We'll see, you know, see where the night goes. Coming up at, coming up at 530. I want to add on to a conversation started by one of our very astute callers, of which we have many, FedEx Fred. Now, FedEx Fred called in yesterday when I said that week three at Tampa Bay is a must win. I said that is a must win game. I know it's early in the season, but for this reason, X, Y, Z, one, two, three, it's a must win game. We simply must win that game. We have to. And FedEx Fred called. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think week one is more important. I think that the game against the Vikings is a must win more than your stupid week three game against Tampa. And we went back and forth and I I saw his point. I was like, I I see you. I hear you. And we're going to do a a whole segment on that at 530. We're going to talk about which game is the more important game at the Minnesota Vikings or at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know you might say, well, Grant, Vikings, divisional game, easy. Mm, mm, I'm going to let me make the case for Tampa. Make the case for Tampa. That's coming up in a half hour. I have some Aaron Rodgers audio I want to play you in about 15, 20 minutes here. First, our Brewers. Very briefly, we don't need to dwell on the Brewers today. They were shut out against the Arizona Diamondbacks last night, and that game felt like Groundhog Day all over again, didn't it? It's like, oh, okay, so the bats can't get going. Uh, Down early, Brandon Woodruff gives up a home run in the first inning. We get one runner on. Okay, that's canceled out by a... Double play, yep, classic, okay. Seen that game a million times. Uh, last night sucked. Brewers got relegated to the second stream. It got relegated to uh, to the laptop. I have an announcement to make on the Brewers. Up until this point, I have been supportive and optimistic and upbeat. And I believe in this team for reasons that we talked about yesterday. We took inventory of our takes yesterday, as we do sometimes on the show. If you missed it, podcast, just look up Wisco Sports Show. It's the first thing. We ran down some of my takes. I said, this is what I believe to be true about the Brewers. Now, they have three more games against the Arizona Diamondbacks and then three against the Colorado Rockies, and neither one of those teams are any good. If we come back from our Labor Day festivities on Tuesday... And the Brewers lose three of four to the Diamondbacks, or God forbid, are swept by the Diamondbacks. I will be amending my stance on the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm not going to be out on them, but you know I'm at a good time watching this Brewers team, even though they they just lose in backbreaking ways and they're frustrating. But I, I've enjoyed this team. They're interesting. I can't figure them out. I watch them every night. I don't know what to expect. I've enjoyed them. And I think my entertainment of this team has allowed me to maybe believe in them more than I should. And that's on me. So if we come back on Tuesday and this weekend series goes horribly, I'm not saying I will be out on the Brewers, but we will have to reopen things and relitigate some of my opinions on the Brewers. Another thing that happened on a lighter note last night during the Brewer game, if you go to my Twitter, at Wisco Grant, there's a uh, <laughs> there's a picture of Corey Hart 
<laughs> from last night's game because I guess he lives in Arizona. I don't know. I wasn't listening to it. I looked over at my laptop, which was on mute, and I see Corey Hart on my screen. I said, whoa, look at this guy's beard. And I took a picture, and I said, what does it look like Corey Hart does for a living? I kind of think he looks like a welder, maybe a machine, a machinist, a metal fabricator, something like that. He's got this white beard chiseled in such a way. I don't even know what's going on here. He's got the long hair. So I asked everyone on the Twitterverse, what does it look like Corey Hart does for a living? And this tweet got 100 replies and 17 quote tweets. And we're going to go through some of the best answers. What does it look like Corey Hart does for a living? John Daly impersonator. Got a couple of those. Commissioner of the All Amish League. Uh, Garden Gnome. Got a couple of those. Uh, bong rips. <laughs> that might be one of my more favorite ones. From uh, Shoulder Fat. Wow. What a great account that must be. Uh, looks like he makes cabinets. Yep. Uh, this is a very specific tweet, which is the type of thing I was going for. A roadie. Not just any roadie, though. One that could fine-tune any guitar on this planet. I like that. That paints a picture. Scott says Hulk Hogan impersonator. Uh, got a couple of Santas. Uh, my coworker, Tony, this is a good one. He says he sells beer to teenagers out of the trunk of his 2004 Ford Taurus. <laughs> Melissa says lighthouse keeper. Aaron says develops his own flavors of vape juice. John says lead singer in a Metallica cover band. He does look like someone who was in a metal band and still is, but they kind of clean up their appearance a little bit as the year goes on. Uh, Telez season says duck hunting. Yeah, he kind of does look like Duck Dynasty. Retired pro surfer. Uh, this one says he toils in the mines of Mor- Moria. I'm not that well versed on uh, on Lord of the Rings. As we've talked about on the show, we've covered it. Not a hater of Lord of the Rings. I just, I can't, it doesn't click for me for whatever reason. Chris says make snowboards. It's a pretty good one. Uh, this guy says buffet raider for travelocity. Again, incredible specificity. Matt says pours concrete. Uh, and let's see, one more. I don't know if that's appropriate to be on the air. This one is just a gift from Swamp People. And Moody says black market arms dealer in Santa Fe who refers to everyone as big guy. <laughs> that one's pretty good. Uh, one says he looks like Dwight Schrute's cousin. Yes, I agree. And uh, one says, is that Stephen Avery, LOL? Yeah, Corey Hart. I don't, uh, man, I, (laughs) what is his look? What is this? What am I looking at? I don't even know that it looks bad, but it, it, it is a look. I miss Corey Hart. The days were so much simpler when we just had Corey Hart, J.J. Hardy, Prince Fielder, Casey McGee, Ricky Weeks. Not saying that team was a bunch of world beaters, but, you know, life was just simple. When that was the Brewers roster. Life was just simpler. It all made sense. It, it just, it, everything clicked. Everything was where it was supposed to be. And now I'm trying to decide if I like or hate Luis Urias. I'm trying to decide if Keston here is this amazing ball player that's just been disadvantaged. Or if he sucks and I just haven't admitted it yet. Victor Caratini is not good. But they have to play him every game. So I'm trying to figure that out. Recently, I've been watching the Brewers starting. I, just, I, I sound like I'm talking to my therapist. Recently, I've been watching the Brewers starting pitchers, and I'm like, are they experiencing a rough spell, or have we peaked? It always happens in baseball where you peak before you think you're going to peak. Did the Brewers starting rotation peak last year? Possibly. 
I don't know, for God's sake, Brent Suter's the most lockdown reliever on the team right now. What am I supposed to do with that information? How am I supposed to take that home every night? I take this job home with me, you know. How am I supposed to go home to my apartment? I almost said go home to my wife that I don't have. How am I supposed to go home to my apartment and sit with the fact every night that Brent Suter somehow has the best stats of any Brewers relief pitcher in like the last month? How am I supposed to deal with that? That's not fair. It's not fair to me. Life just made more sense in 2008 when the Brewers had uh, <laughs> when the Brewers had a roster that makes sense. A couple of tweets here from listeners of the show are just chiming in. Cone Roller says he works at a dispensary. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Jeff Sherman says live action anime star. That's pretty good. Uh, don't discount shoulder fat. That guy has a lot of good takes on sports. Yeah, he does. I've seen that account before. Caddy for John Daly. So not John Daly impersonator or son of John Daly, but caddy for John Daly. I like how we're, I like how we're tying as many John Daly takes as we can into this. My parents sent me not that long ago, a picture with Corey Hart because he was, I don't know if they do, they do it. I don't know if it's a tap takeover or they do the things at the the bars at American Family Field where a player will pick up the tab. And then they have like celebrity bartenders. And Corey Hart was doing it one time. And my parents sent me a picture they got with Corey Hart. I'm like, wow. And then my dad sent me a picture with, um, what's his name? Bob Keselowski from Guest Relations who sings God Bless America. We're a Brewers family. Can you tell? We grew up watching the Brewers every day. That's just what we did. It was ingrained into our family culture and our, and our history. <laughs> Corey Hart, I can't, I can't, I can't. This picture is going to live rent free in my head for a long time. The, the, the hair, the backwards hat, the beard, all of it. He just, man, that's a look. He looks like someone who lives in Arizona. That's for sure. There's a type drives a huge lifted, you know, uh, uh, Ford F-150 power stroke diesel. No reason. Not pulling a trailer. There's no snow. It's not going off-roading. But for whatever reason, that's the thing in Arizona. You ever drive around Arizona and wonder why so many people drive huge trucks? In Wisconsin, I get it. Especially growing up in the country. I grew up in a town of 15,000 people. And a lot of people grew up on farms outside of town or in farming space. Right? Where the wind is blowing in their hills. I had a buddy who, uh, who grew up on a farm. And the house was way up on top of a hill. Like, this driveway is is nuts. And I, I couldn't take my, you know, Toyota Camry from 1998 up there. You need something that can get around in the snow. So in Wisconsin, I get it. Even if you're not pulling something, even if you don't have a boat or an RV, shout out Bill Michaels, or, uh, you know, whatever. If you don't have a toy to pull around, I still understand having a big truck. Out in Arizona, I do not. I do not get it. But yet, the people drive huge trucks. You drive around on the 202 or the 101 or whatever's around Phoenix, and there's just... He's huge lift. You got a Cummins on one side and a Power Stroke diesel on the other, and they all have turbos. It's like, what is going on? You guys live in a city where you could drive any car you want. You could own a convertible. You could own a sports car. You are not bound by rules of of auto, uh, vehicular practicality or whatever. Like, you don't need a practical car, and yet all of you spend as much money on gas as possible. I don't get it. And Corey Hart in this picture, I guess he he looks like someone who would... You know, drive a you drive a Cummins for no reason. It's like the the all the, the only driving you do is to get on the two hundred two to go to work and to go to the grocery store and sit in traffic. And yet you have decided to purchase the most expensive, biggest, least fuel efficient vehicle on the market. I know if you go to Phoenix, you will see this. I know I'm not the only one. It's motorcycles and it's huge ass trucks, and it doesn't make sense to me. This has been talking Corey Hart. I feel like we can probably move on.
But if you want to chime in, you can. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We were comparing. Uh, we were comparing beers to NFL teams yesterday, and I was t- telling Tyler, I thought the Bills are the spotted cow of the beer world, and Tyler Tyler disagreed because he said that Patrick Mahomes should be spotted cow because spotted cow is the best beer. I don't know that spotted cow is the best beer. I think we all have different opinions. One could make the opinion that spotted cow is rated at such a high level that it's gotten to the point where it's overrated. I'm not going that far. Spotted cow is delicious, but also you have all these people that live in other states that I mean they don't they don't know good beer from from a hole in the ground. I mean, they just, they, they don't know what they're drinking. So they come here and they drink a spotted cow and it's like mother's milk. It's the best thing ever. And it is really good, but you know, I, I still would rather have a delicious ice cold silo of PBR. Uh, C- Curtis texts in, he says, would Aaron Rodgers be lining Kugel's original? Some people swear by it and it has great history. Some people hate it and say there's a gross taste. It is awesome. By the way, first of all, Chris or Curtis, you're exactly right. It is delicious. Liney's original might be a good comp for Aaron Rodgers. Some people swear by it, and it has great history. Some people hate it and say there is a gross taste. Uh, that's probably a pretty good Aaron Rodgers cop. Curtis, I think you did it, damn it. The Packers are high life. Champagne of beers for the 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers. But Aaron Rodgers specifically, Lining Kugel's original might be a nice a nice comp. You love it or hate it. I agree with that. Liney's original, Liney's heavy is one thing. I love Liney's light. I don't really buy Liney's original, but it is delicious. Most beers are delicious. Most beers are great. They're just, they're, some are extra great. Some are great. Some are just good. But I don't think there's, for the most part, such thing as a bad beer. Let's take a break. We can probably move off the Corey Hart topic unless you want to, you know, talk more about Corey Hart. I don't know that Corey Hart's been talked about this much combined since he's been done playing for the Brewers. And look at us. Here we are today. (laughs) We're talking about it. Let's take a break. Come back. I want to hear a little bit from the Lineys original of quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers spoke today on the Pat McAfee show about Jordan Love and talked about the Packers locker room. And I thought both little sound bites were fascinating. I don't want to play them both for you. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Appreciate you hanging out. Andrew in Auburn texted in. That's New Auburn for those of you who are uh, not aware. Andrew says, ugh. As a f- <laughs> Sorry. I, that's how I envisioned him saying it. He goes, uh, as a former Chippewa resident, Liney's Light is no bueno. Original is where it's at. Interesting. You don't like Liney's Light? I mean, they're both delicious. Both great beers. Andrew, you can't be dumping on any kind of Lineys. You got to ride or die for Lineys. Even if you don't believe it, you got to ride or die for Lineys. You are from Chippewa. You are from the heart of Lineys country. You got to, come on, lie at least. He says, what do you think about the Packers' wideout cuts and Aaron's response? Was Aaron just overrating him, or do you think the coach has caught something he missed? With Juwan Winfrey, I, look, now this is going to be my opinion. And I know there are others on our network that just say I'm a Rodgers hater. This is how I hear the Jawan Winfrey stuff. I hear Aaron Rodgers wanting to sound smart and oppressor and say, well, I thought he deserved a spot on the roster, but I guess, you know, that's not my job. That's front office job. I hear that. and I think, okay, Aaron, so who are we cutting? Because we can't, we can't keep everyone, buddy. I'm sure he did deserve a spot on the roster. There's a lot of guys who probably deserve a spot on the roster for one reason or another and are getting it. You know, I'm not trying to be anti-Aaron Rodgers here, but 
you know, it's really easy to be that guy. And, and anytime we have an all-star team or an all-pro uh, team at the end of a year, it's really easy to be the guy that goes on TV when the all-star ballots come out and we learn who's going to be like an NBA all-star. It's really easy to be the guy who comes on TV and says, ah, what a sham. Devin, Devin Booker deserves to be an all-star. It's like, okay, maybe he does. But what is the all who Who's on the team that shouldn't be on the team? Because it's not always about who deserves to, to, to be there, right? I think at one point in our life, you and me, I think we all believe that we deserve something we did not get. Right. So to say that Juwan Winfrey should, he deserves to be on the roster. Okay, Aaron. Yeah, maybe. But you know what? We're trying to build you a defense. Okay. Cause, you know, we, we pitched a shutout last year. That wasn't good enough. So we had to double down, get our defense better. So, and improve our special teams. We kept seven wide receivers for you. You like Smari Toure. You like these young guys. Like, I, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, and, and if I have him pegged correctly, and from what I hear and what I see from him, I think I have a good idea of him. I just think, he, you know, he's got to be the guy that gets the last word. Oh, I thought he deserved to make the roster. Okay, then go cut someone, Aaron. Like, Because <laughs> all the guys who made the roster probably deserve it too. So it's tough. And we see this all the time with all-star team. There's always some person that goes on TV and is like, this person deserved to be an all-star. Okay, well, we can only have so many. Why is this so hard? It's so easy to be the contrarian whenever a list comes out or whenever an all-star ballot comes out or whenever a roster comes out. It's easy to be that guy. Aaron Rodgers talked today on the Pat McAfee Show about Jordan Love. I thought this was very interesting. There's really, truly not a lot of animosity in the locker room. You know, it's 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 our guys, you know, and, and you're not best friends with everybody on the team, but but there's a lot of really good close friendships in the locker room, you know, and, and it's not bull when I stand in front of my locker and, and speak glowingly about Jordan and the things that I'm seeing him doing well in the, in the preseason and in practice. Like, I'm not, like, doing that for some sort of, you know, uh, virtue signaling or whatever. I'm doing that because I love him. I care about him. I want him to do well. When I see him out there doing well, man, it fires me up. When I see him drop back and one hits and throw a fucking dime, I'm like, yes, homie, yes. Here we go. Yes, Jordan. homie, yes. A lot of camaraderie on a football team. Not a lot of animosity, which is like, thank God. I'm glad we're not all getting angry at each other all the time. This is Aaron Rodgers talking about the camaraderie in the locker room, and that's where it all goes down. And I think after hearing this answer, I understand the previous answer we just heard where he says, there's no animosity, there's no disagreements, there's no nothing because we're close. Well, this is why. It's because of the locker room. You enjoying it a lot more now, I would assume, yes? He does mention something before he gets to the locker room, so just hang with me. You enjoying it a lot more now, I would assume, yes? I've been enjoying it since I did ayahuasca, so uh, nice. the last few years have been, have been great. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, okay, okay. Let's dive into that. No, no, let me talk about the oh, no, no, yeah, you're right. Loving football, loving no, football. Yeah, good, then we'll, no, then we'll talk ayahuasca because I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> let's, let's, you're loving football though since ayahuasca. Why? New, new bright mindset, new vision on things, new look at things. Well, how come? Yeah, mental health, bro, it starts with self love. And when you increase that, then you're able to pass that on more easily. And Listen, the locker room is where the chemistry takes place. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of great things that happen on the practice field and obviously in the game and outside the facility is fun and dinners and different things. But the locker room is – that's the core of that connection, right? That's where the inside jokes happen. That's where, you know, the, you know, the pranks happen and the, and the connection and the conversation. And you got dudes 
you know, freestyle rapping in one corner. You got guys playing spades in the other corner. You got me and Dave scheming prank plots in the other corner. And you, got, you know, and you got the random specialists in the other corner. You know, talking about the, you know, Joseph Smith or whatever. So there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in that locker room. I want to be a part of a locker room. That sounds fun. Getting a bunch of the fellas together, playing some music, having a ball. Like for example, this weekend I got four or five college buddies who are coming to visit because they all went to lacrosse. None of them live here anymore. And I'm the one man remaining holding down the fort. And I was going to go home to see my parents this weekend, Labor Day weekend. Parents live on a lake. I mean, nice, right? Lakes on Labor Day. Shout out Tainer Lake, the place to be on Memorial Day and Labor Day. And then a bunch of my friends hit me up. They're like, hey, we're coming for Labor Day. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you can stay with me. Now, my apartment is uh, one room. It's not a studio. It's a loft. It's it's spacious, but it's not huge. Does that make sense? I don't have five guys sleeping in there. Told them to bring an air mattress, but you know how guys are. They're not gonna they're not gonna bring anything. They'll be like, oh, it's fine. I'll sleep on the floor, and they will because they're psychos. But it's gonna be a blast having all the fellows together in one room, hanging out, slugging beers, swapping stories. Right? That's a blast. That's that's locker room stuff. I want to be in a locker room. And that locker room dynamic, I think the clubhouse, as we'd say in baseball dynamic, is really good with the Packers. And I'm just, this team should make a Super Bowl. All of the variables about the offense, the defense, maybe not the special teams, but the coaching and the chemistry and the division and the conference, it all adds up. I swear, if this team, if we go four or five years, the Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Packers, which this will be year four, and we can't at least break through and make a Super Bowl, guys. I swear, I not to be selfish and not to be woe is me, but Packers fans, I'm starting to feel like a victim. Let's go. Let's get there. You know, Eric Eager lectured me as, as a professor does on Monday. He said, Grant, three 13 and three seasons in a row is not a bad thing. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know. I agree. It's not a bad thing. But I swear, this fan base sometimes, we say we're about titles and in title town, titles are the only thing that matters. And then we... And then we don't live that way. Then we don't act that way. You know, we say that titles are the only thing that matters. And then it's like, but we don't act that way. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. Now I'm just BSing about locker room vibes. Andrew and Nauburn with a follow-up. Good. Uh, I ride the original bus for sure. But Miller bought them and now we have Liney's IPAs and crazy stuff. Just waiting for the seltzers now. I roll. I think they do have seltzers, don't they? I love how Aaron Rodgers talks about the special teams like we think of them, a bunch of outcasts that no one understands. Like everyone else is watching film on the game and they are studying how to snap and kick a ball. Yeah, I, that's how I feel about uh, Ben Kenny, honestly. It's like I'm over here, you know, I'm studying up on the Packers and the Brewers and you know, I love my NBA, I love my basketball, and then he's over there reading about the Rutgers offensive line and the recruits they have coming in. It's like you're, you're doing your own thing over there, buddy. You're good for you. You got your own niche. And damn if I'm not happy for you, but I don't pretend to understand it. Although earlier in the show, I did preview the entire Badger season in 60 seconds. That was pretty electric. I'd like to see Ben Kenny do that. I'd like to see him try. Ben Kenny. Let's take a, let's take a break. I want to talk about something that FedEx Fred brought up yesterday. And FedEx Fred called in on the first day of September and questioned if council should be on the hot seat which I didn't appreciate, but then he went on to question another one of my takes, and this is, I think, is an interesting topic. I think week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a must-win game. I think that's a game that the Packers have to win, and I love declaring must-wins. It's one of my favorite things to do on this show. FedEx Fred called, and he said, Grant, 
Don't you think that week one against the Vikings is more of a must win? That's a division game. And I said, ah, I don't think so, Fred. And I'll make the case that that week three game against Tampa is one of the most important games on the schedule, if not the most important game, division or no division, conference or non-conference, that Tampa game is where it's at. And I'll explain why. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. My name is Grant Bills. I don't. I don't want to get political here, um, and I'm not involving or endorsing either candidate for state senate, Mandela Barnes or Ron Johnson. I will say this, however, if I get one more text from the campaign of Mandela Barnes asking to donate, I will personally walk myself to the Republican headquarters of Lacrosse County, wherever it is, and I will sign up to volunteer for Ron Johnson's campaign. These campaigns are how I I swear it's a different number every day. I don't know how I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it. And every day there's a new deadline. Hey, Grant, we really need to hit this goal by midnight. Mandela, my brother in Christ, what are you even using this money for to fund more texts to send to me to ask for more money? Stop sending the text. Maybe you don't need so much money. Again, no statement on the politics of either candidate. But my God. Yeah. Uh, I will, I will, by hand to God, I will go volunteer for Ron Johnson. I will go volunteer for Ron Johnson if I get one more text. Consider yourself Warren Mandela Barnes or the campaign of Mandela Barnes, even though some of these texts I don't think are uh, approved by any candidate or candidate's party to use the correct lingo. <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. That was Talking Politics. We did uh, Talking Corey Hart earlier today. I gave a shout-out to uh, my home and native land, Tainer Lake. I'm bummed that I can't be there for Labor Day. And Elk Point Greg, who resides on the north end of that lake, uh, says, are you walking or boating on Tainer Lake this time of year? Greener than ever. Yeah, I know what you mean, Greg. And it sucks because this time of year, uh, you got to go up to the big end of the lake to find where the breeze is blowing the green out of there. And I, you know me, I'm a lower Tainer Lake guy. I like that smaller water. Live life a little bit more slowly on the lower end. You throw on some Buffett and... You know, pour yourself a, a nice cold glass of Liney's Original or Liney's Light. We've we've really we've covered so much random ground today. Oh my God! Remember when we listened to Jim Croce? I felt like it was like two hours ago. We talked to Tyler Dunn on this show. The show's only two hours long. It feels like it was last week. We were listening to Jim Croce. You know, we can listen to more Jim Croce. It's fine. Shout out Tyler Dunn. Shout out to FedEx Fred, who reached out to the show yesterday, and. I thought made a very sacrilegious comment about putting Craig Council on the hot seat on the first day of Craig Timber. I mean, geez, Fred, show some show some damn respect. Do you go into church and fart first thing you do when you sit down? Like, come on, man, show some reverence for what's around you. Read a room. But FedEx Fred continued, and he didn't agree with my take that the week three game at Tampa Bay is a must win game. I said that's a must win game. Because Tampa has a brutal early season schedule. They go to Dallas, to New Orleans, which is a place that they have not fared well. I mean, they just can't beat the Saints. Tom Brady can't beat the Saints. Then they host the Packers, and then they host the Chiefs. That's a brutal opening month. And if Tampa can come out of that month one and three, ooh, fractures in the locker room, stress on Tom Brady. Should I have stayed retired? Oh, no, I don't know. And they're behind in the seating. Now, 
the conference schedule, or the schedule, I should say, gets easier for Tampa Bay as it goes. That first month is brutal. But if the Packers can win that game, puts Tampa in a huge hole. And, look, I don't need to tell you Packers fans, that's a game that the Packers have historically lost the last five or six years and lost in really ugly fashion. The blowout to the Niners in 19, the blowout to the Broncos and the Cardinals in 15, blowout to the Falcons early on in 16, right? It's, it's just a game that the Packers have historically lost. The Buccaneers two years ago in 2020. That's a game that they need to win, okay? And Fred said week one, Grant, is the must-win game against the Vikings. Not the Buccaneers, the divisional game against the Vikings. Okay, so here's what I did. I went and I pulled up the season records from some of the better Packers teams in the last half decade. I think this era of Packers football started in 2014 or ended in 2014, depending on how you look at it. But I view 2008 to 2014 as era one of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and 2014 on as era two. So we're talking current era I went back to 2014, and I'm looking at the blow-by-blow, the game-by-game. This is how the season played out. Okay. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks in week one by 20 points. They lost in Seattle 16-36. to Smoked in week one. Then they beat the Jets week two. Remember that game? And then they lost to the Lions. And then came the comment, R-E-L-A-X. Then the Packers whooped the Bears, whooped the Vikings beat the Dolphins, beat the Panthers, lose to the Saints going into the bye, and then win one, two, three, four, five in a row coming out of the bye. They hang 55 on the Bears. Remember that game? They hang 53 on the Eagles. They beat the Vikings 24-21. They beat the Patriots in week 13. That is the game that I equate to the game versus Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this season. I look through the schedule. There's one game that you can circle. Fairly uncommon opponent, legendary quarterback, team that you might meet up with in the playoffs or in the case of 2014 in the Super Bowl, the Packers should have seen the Patriots in the Super Bowl and then they lost to the Seahawks. So I tell you, in 2014, do you remember that season as defined by the week one loss to the Seahawks or the week 13 win over the Patriots? That game is like the only game I can remember from this year other than maybe that 55 to 14 win over the Bears that basically put the final nail in the cancel culture casket of one Mark Trestman to use an Aaron Rodgers term. That season to me was defined by that week 13 game, CBS 3:30 game at Lambeau, Mike Neal and Mike Daniels combined for basically the game clinching sack. They kicked the field goal and then, you know, the Packers hold on to win. That season was defined by that week 13 game. Ever since then, the Packers have done nothing but lose season-defining games like that. So let's pull up the 2015 Packers schedule. And I'm just going Wikipedia to Wikipedia, and I'm looking at the game-by-game breakdown. The 2015 Packers season, going game-by-game. The Packers actually started 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 0 this year. They started 6, and 0. Whoa! And you might think, well, the most important game was probably that game against the Chicago Bears Week 1 divisional game. Yeah, they won 31-23. But that's not the game that I remember or the games I remember from this season. I remember them losing 29 to 10 coming out of the bye to the Broncos, who went on to make the Super Bowl this year. Rodgers played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. And then I remember them losing 38 to 8 to the Arizona Cardinals, who came within an inch or a game, I should say, of the Super Bowl. That's what I remember about 2015. 2015, I remember the Packers winning a lot of games, making the playoffs, but I remember mm, when they played against the real teams, when they played against the Broncos, 
they were blown off the ball. When they played against the Cardinals, they were blown off the ball. That's the line of demarcation from 2014 to 2015. Not the fact that they won in week one against the Bears or lost in week one against the Seahawks. But when the season really started to settle in and you had a chance to play against the cream of the crop in the NFL, a team that you could A, either see in the playoffs as the Packers did or in the Super Bowl as they would have seen the Broncos had they advanced that far. What happened in those games? The Packers got smoked. In 2014, they did not. They won that game in 2014. That was the year they probably should have gone to the Super Bowl. 2015, they weren't as good. Let's look at the 2016 Packers. The run the table year. And then they lost to the Falcons and they got smoked in the NFC Championship game. The Aaron Ripkowski game, some call it. I don't think anybody calls it that. So let's see. They opened against the Jacksonville Jaguars. God, that was a weird game. Oh, do you remember that? That was a weird game. There was the Devontae Adam touchdowns catch. Yeah, that was, man, that was bizarre. <clears throat> now, Jacksonville's an uncommon opponent. So let's look at week two. Week two, they played the Vikings, and they lost 14-17 to at U.S. Bank. Okay, interesting. So that's your early season divisional, possibly season-defining game. Now, the game that they played amidst the rest of the season that was against the cream of the crop in the, uh, in the NFC, well, they played at the Atlanta Falcons, and they lost. So again a chance to play against one of the league's best, a true test against a real opponent that you could see in the playoffs, and they did. They lost to the Falcons. So you tell me, in 2016, when they came a game within the Super Bowl, but this team wasn't that good, it was you know lifted by Aaron Rodgers the downstretch of the season when they won six in a row to end the year. Was this season defined by a loss to the Vikings early on or a loss to a team like, let's say, the Falcons? I'd say it's defined more to the Falcons because they ended up beating the Vikings later on in the year. It's kind of a weird game early on. They lost to U.S. Bank. I remember it was like the sky was falling that night after they lost to the Vikings. I remember that. That was bizarre. So we can skip 2017, 2018 because they didn't make the playoffs those years. Let's go 2019 Packers. Let's see what happened that year. I have a pretty good memory of what happened in these seasons, which is why I I think this is a worthwhile exercise because I think all of these seasons are going to basically make the point that I'm trying to make. It's not to say the week one against the Vikings in this upcoming season isn't important. It is. But I don't think it's as important as a game, say, against Tampa. 2019. Wow, what a great example. They won against the Bears 10-3 to week one. Remember, that was the we got a defense game. Week two, they play the Vikings at Lambeau. They hold on. They win 21-16. to That was the game that Kevin King pulled down the touchdown or the uh, interception in the end zone, rather. Remember that? That was was that the game that Clay Matthews got the stupid pass? Yeah, that, uh, Clay Matthews did get a couple stupid roughing the passers. But in 2019, no, he would have been gone by then. So they beat the Bears. They beat the Vikings early on. Wow, big, big divisional games. Those mean everything. Okay, well, what happened in Week 12 when they played the Niners again? The team that they would come to meet in the NFC Championship game. They lost 37 to eight. They were blown off the ball. They had no business being in that game. But they went undefeated in the division. Yeah, the division, those games are important, and that's your out to the playoffs. But the real indicator game in 2019 at San Francisco 49ers, November 24th, they lost 37-8. That was the defining game. That is 2019's version of the 2022 matchup that's impending week three against the Buccaneers. One last look. Let's look at the 2020 Packers. Again, I remember what happened this year. I, we can make the same comparisons. 2020 Packers. You can look this up. I think it's a a fun comparison to look at past seasons, kind of how they played out. 
2020 Packers opened against the Vikings. They won 43-34. Wow. Certainly that team made the Super Bowl. They dominated a divisional opponent to start the year. Interestingly enough, this season, the Packers also open the season at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, there will be fans in attendance, unlike in 2020, when there were no fans in the stands because of the, you know, the pandemic. <laughs> Packers won week one, 43-34. However, what happened when the Packers met up with the team that they would eventually lose to in the NFC Championship game? They lost to the Buccaneers by 28 points. Do you see what I'm saying? When I say that the game against Tampa Bay is a must-win this year, I say it only because this is the type of game that the Packers have been losing Year after year after year after year. And it's nice to beat the Vikings. And it's nice to beat the Bears. And it's nice to beat the Lions. Don't get me wrong. I would rather lose week one in a closely contested matchup in a fierce environment at U.S. Bank and beat the Buccaneers week three. I would rather lose to the Vikings and beat the Buccaneers. Because I think that game against the Buccaneers is a truer test. It's a truer indicator of how good this team can be. I'm sick and tired of this team dominating the division, getting a great record, but getting smoked in the game or two that they actually play against viable NFC Super Bowl contenders. Because later on in the year when they meet up with those teams in the playoffs, it historically hasn't gone well. It didn't go well in 2015 when they got a rematch against the Cards. It didn't go well in 2016 when they got a rematch against the Falcons, in 19 against the Niners, or in 2020 against the Buccaneers. It happens over and over and over again. So as I look at the schedule, I'm telling you, that game against the Buccaneers in Week 3 is Everything. It means everything. I don't know that that game at U.S. Bank against the Vikings is actually the biggest deal in the world. I think it'll probably be a very fluky game. The crowd will be nuts. The Packers offense will have barely settled in. The Vikings will have a new coach. I don't know if we'll be able to determine anything from that Packers-Vikings game. But Packers at Tampa Bay Week 3, you better believe that that game is going to mean something. And it'll be a true indicator, at least an early indicator. It's an early season game, so it'll be less of an indicator, but still an indicator of what the Packers' outlook will be like this year. And history tells us that if you get blown out in that game, playoffs probably aren't going to be that much different. Maybe the game will be a little bit closer, but not that much closer. Do you get my point? I wanted to do a topic on this today, seeing FedEx Fred brought it up yesterday. 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Jeremy and Scotty says, I call it the Ripkowski game. Yeah, what else are we supposed to call it? That's got to be the Ripkowski game. The 2016 NFC Championship game where the or the Falcons just blasted the Packers. <laughs> the Aaron Ripkowski game. If Aaron Ripkowski didn't fumble, that game might have gone differently. Maybe the Packers would have lost by 28 instead of 40 or whatever the final score was. I don't even remember. It was at that point when he said, we got to get one of these at home. Oh, no, that was after the Niners game. That's right. God, what a wild last five or six years. The current era of Packers football, post-2014. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Fins up! It's Friday. Milling sponge cake, watching the sun bake. All those tourists covered with. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I appreciate you hanging out tonight. It's been fun. You know why it's been fun? Because Madison isn't having the Wisco Sports Show on The Zone tonight. 
They got they got a Badger preview with Ebo and Rowdy. That's why the show's been so fun. We don't have the annoying ass Madison listeners weighing us down. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We did do a Badger preview earlier. If you missed it, uh, I previewed the Badger season in just 60 seconds. The fastest 60 seconds in sports radio. That's what people are calling it. I've read the reviews. I know it's it's you know it's a narcissistic thing to do, uh, but I, I went and read the views. It's the fastest 60 seconds in sports media. It really is. It's wild. Hey, Tyler Dunn joined us back at 4:30, and it was a really fun time. I just love the way he talks about football. He loves football. I think there are some journalists, and Aaron Rodgers and Joe Rogan talked about this on the pod, actually, and it might have been one of the better points they made. There are some sports journalists that just seem miserable. And I don't know if it's just part of the facade, because it is a, a competitive kind of alpha male industry, unfortunately, where it's like you got to protect your scoops and you got to like journalists have to weirdly think of themselves on the same level as an athlete. And that's a competitive place to be. Tyler Dunn just loves football, loves talking about football. He loves everything that goes into football from the last guy on the roster to the superstar quarterback. He might actually, Tyler Dunn might like the, the no-name guy in the bottom of the roster more than he actually, excuse me, likes the superstar quarterback. And I think that shines through in his writing. So read his work. Go long TD. He's got a Mike Zimmer piece out today that is fascinating. He wrote a Jordan Love piece last week, and I think we talked about it. He, the quarterback coach for Jordan Love talked about throwing out routes and stuff and teaching Jordan Love with his left eye to look at the sideline and the right eye to look over here. Like not literally splitting eyes, but thinking of it that way and seeing the field in that way. And that is... um. I read that. I was like, wow, this is why it takes a while for some quarterbacks to develop because this is the level, the the highest level of development. These are the details that they're working on. They're, They're using one eye to look here, one eye to look there because a foot makes all the difference. Six inches in the NFL makes all the difference. Six inches can make all the difference. Appreciate the text today. 608-796-2558. I don't think downtown Billy liked the intro. He's making fun of me. This is F you for that Enterprise intro. What, you don't like you don't like the quote from Step Brothers? Probably just gonna get a job at Enterprise Rent a Car because they have a great corporate structure and because they they give you the tools to be your own boss. It's a great it's a great, great company. I've, it's from Step Brothers. Next week, speaking of Will Ferrell movies, we are going to preview the 2022 Packers season using quotes from arguably the greatest movie ever made, The Other Guys. I mean, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but it it might be. It's fantastic. And I'm going to go through that movie and pick out some quotes that I think define a player or a moment or a play, and I'm going to bring the audio into the show, and it's going to be a blast. So we have that coming up next week. I think we're going to do our hot take special with Bart Winkler. I don't know what Bart's up to. He's actually in lacrosse right now. I saw him earlier today, and he said, oh, no, no, maybe next week. I was like, well, Bart, if we're doing our season preview, it has to be next week. So hopefully we get to do that with Bart next week. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, there was one other guy. Who are we going to talk to? I feel like I should get my buddy Nate Myhawk back on. Remember when we had Nate on? He works for WJFW up in Rhinelander. He does sports. He does some other on-air stuff. And we did a draft of all of the Packers playoff losses in the last decade, which is really fun. I want to I bring him on to preview the season. He's hilarious, and I enjoy talking Packers with him. So that's some of the things that are coming up next week. If the Brewers go in the tank this weekend and look terrible, we might have to have a course correction on Tuesday. We might have to 
open up the the settlement, relitigate some things. I thought I had this team figured out, but last night's game did uh did the opposite, the absolute opposite of uh, giving me confidence about this team. So we might relitigate the Brewers on Tuesday. We're certainly going to preview the heck out of the Packers next week, and I can't wait. We'll connect with Mike Clemens, obviously, Tuesday and Thursday. Get the final report from Green Bay for him before everyone heads over to Minnesota for week one against the Vikings. And that game is not as important as the game against Tampa, as I think I just proved. Enjoy the three-day weekend. Listen to Jimmy Buffett. See family, see friends. Relax. I will talk to you next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Nothing is sure but this brand new tattoo. But it's a real beauty.